From digital address GA0993341. Good evening and God bless you for matriculating into tonight's edition of Springboard, your virtual university. Springboard is a multimedia educational and personal development intervention, the biggest and the most consistent of its kind running since the 4th of August 2008. And that means that this Saturday, 4th of August 2018, is exactly 10 years since that first. Monday night broadcast right here in the studios of Joy 99.7 FM. From this Sunday, the 5th of August, we will start a series of three shows specially dedicated to celebrating the 10th anniversary of this broadcast we call your virtual university. And you want to make a date over the next three weeks as we remember Springboard at 10. We are live here on Joy 99.7 FM and Springboard is brought to you by Legacy and Legacy and your superstition Joy 99.7 FM. We proudly sponsored by Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank, MTN, Ghana's number one network and Central University, Ghana's foremost private university. Our print media support comes from the graphic business and in tomorrow's graphic, daily graphic, you will find a full 16-page pullout on their biggest event in Ghana today, and that is Greater Works Conference. Just pull out the 16-page supplement in the Daily Graphic tomorrow for every detail about the conference. On behalf of my virtual academic board, chaired by Comfort with Support from Matthew, Amos, Priscilla, and Emmanuel, let me thank you for joining us here on Joy FM and on Facebook. I want to wholeheartedly dedicate tonight's show to my own brother in Shira Ado here at the Multimedia Group and of course to your wife Sewa Akutu on the occasion of your triple celebration, your two birthdays and your wedding anniversary falling back to back three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Hey Isha, you do all. God richly bless you. So it's exactly 24 hours to Greater West Conference 2018 and tomorrow at 5 p.m. the eyes of the whole Ghana will be transfixed on the Independence Square for this big conference. And whatever you do in the next five days, let me personally invite you, don't miss out on Greater Works. The evenings will be at the Independence Square from 5 p.m. till 9 p.m. while the morning sessions will start from Tuesday and will be at ICGC Christ Temple in Abusokai from 9 a.m. till 12 noon. Invite someone for the special communion service tomorrow night to break the 40 days of power and also for the anointing service to close Greater Works on Friday night. Just come and be my guest. Tonight on your virtual university, we continue our build-up to the Festival of Ideas slated for Thursday, the 16th of August, 2018. We'll bring you a playback of a keynote address delivered 
a couple of years ago by Dr. Mensotable in one of our previous editions. And don't forget that this year, the Night with Great Minds will be at the Marriott. The festival will be at the Marriott in Accra on the 16th of August, morning session and then evening session. The evening session known as the Night with Great Minds will have about 100 CEOs and top management members brainstorming about strategy, technology and best practices. The plenary presentations will be by Yolanda Cuba and Kwekua with a keynote address by Dr. Mensa Otabel. And there will also be a colloquium with all the leaders present bringing their thoughts to bear. New ideas, innovations being practiced by different leaders will be featured in that colloquium. The morning will have three plenaries with Elsie Abaji of the Bank of Ghana, Franklin Asari of Oracle, and of course myself sharing our thoughts followed by breakouts into 10 groups for a two-hour mentoring session by practitioners in fields like human resource, sales and marketing, project management, procurement and supply chain, finance and budgeting, and of course, social media. Before I bring you the thoughts of Dr. Minsotable, let me first pay my respects to MTN, Ecobank, and Central University, our sponsors on this broadcast, and of course, to the graphic business. Let me introduce the all-new Ecobank mobile app. Download the app today and send money fast to 33 countries and pay your bills with a tap of a finger. No bank account, no worries. Open an Ecobank Express account instantly on your mobile phone. No forms and no account handling fees to pay ever. Download the new app today and enjoy the new digital experience. The Ecobank mobile app is available on the Google Play Store and the App Store. Ecobank definitely is the Pan-African bank. MTN Mobile Money is the easiest way and the fastest way to do all your financial transactions. You can use MTN Momo to send money, receive money and pay your bills, pay school fees, salaries, allowances and also pay for your goods and services at any merchant point. Observe the three golden rules to keep your MTN Momo account safe and secure. Number one, keep your MTN Momo pin safe. It's your secret. Number two, don't give away your MTN Momo transaction details to anyone. And of course, number three, perform all your MTN Momo transactions yourself. Don't outsource or delegate to anyone. Keep your account safe and secure and continue to enjoy a fast and convenient MTN Momo experience. Dial star 710 hash and just Momo it everywhere you go. Central University Ghana's leading private Christian university and home to students from over 25 countries invites qualified students to join the 2018-2019 academic year. The university has 29 bachelor's and master's degree programs on offer. Simply send the word admission to WhatsApp line plus 233-233-313180 to request for a copy of the admission brochure with details about the institution, the undergraduate, graduate and professional programs. Apply now and if you find yourself in Kumasi, just visit our Aija campus near Calvary Charismatic Center because Central Invest is raising transformational leaders through faith, integrity and excellence. Alright, so here's the big question. If Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk or any of the big names we find in those Fortune 500 companies were born in Ghana, would they have been able to build the world-class entities they raised? Is this nation business-friendly? How do we as business people, entrepreneurs, leaders, cultivate 
and plant and build successful entities in an environment like this. Let me cross over to hear the thoughts of Dr. Mensah Otabel, who's sharing his thoughts on unleashing the new African corporate leader. Please don't go away. For all these businesses which have started in different countries, some in Asia, some in South America, some in the USA, and, and other parts of the world, all these enterprises, all these global businesses began as an idea. Every business began as an idea. Something happened to those ideas. And the people who received those ideas were able to position the ideas in such a way that they became the symbols that we recognize all over the world. So we have to ask ourselves, what factors in those environments nurtured these ideas to become global? And what factors in our environment should be created to nurture great ideas? If we're talking about unleashing the new African corporate leader, we have to think about the factors that limit the African corporate leader. In trying to give some direction and offer some help in our discussion of these questions, I'm going to use the metaphor of the parable of the sower. It is a parable, and a parable is just a, a simple story which has a, a deep lesson to learn. It's a parable that Jesus told um, in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 13. And Jesus told a story of a sower who goes out to sow. And uh, he said that uh, some of the seeds fell by the wayside, which were eaten by the birds of the air. And some of the seeds fell among thorns. The seeds germinated a little bit, but the thorns choked them, and they died. Some of the seeds fell in the crevice of a rock. They started growing, but they had no depth, and so they perished. And some of the seed fell on good ground, and they produced. But even for those who fell on good ground, they didn't produce at the same level. Some produced 30%, some produced 60%, and others produced 100%. So I'm going to situate my response to unleashing the African business potential in, this, in the metaphor of this parable. So what are the seeds? The seeds represent ideas, business ideas, business concepts, business initiatives that people have. They start very small, but they have great potential for growth. The unique thing about a seed is that it has generations of plants encased and buried in its tiny shell. So if you look at any seed, whether it's a seed of corn, a mango seed, an orange seed, you're looking at generations 
just encased in that seed. It's a great idea which can touch all over the world. One seed of corn can end up feeding the whole world. If the seed is planted, it is harvested, replanted, harvested, replanted, harvested. Pretty soon, you can have a huge corn plantation that can feed the entire world. A seed is a very powerful concept. Every business starts with a seed. What is the soil? The soil is the environment or the regulatory regime that operates in a jurisdiction. The environment that receives the seed. It refers to the policies, the infrastructure, and the systems that are within a space, a geographical area, that allows the ideas people have to grow and to flourish. In the parable Jesus told, the problem was really not with the seed. The seed was okay, it was a good idea, but the various environments that the ideas found themselves in impacted on the productivity of the seed. Then who is the sower? The sower is the business leader. In this case, is the new African corporate leader. These are the people who go about planting their business ideas. So, for every entrepreneur here, you are the sower. You have some seeds, you have some ideas. And you want to plant those ideas. But between the seed and the sower, they have to find the soil. They have to find the place to situate their ideas. The questions I asked earlier on become very relevant. If somebody had a great idea, let's say I had the idea to start Amazon, or to start Apple Computers, or to start Facebook, or to start Google. If I had these ideas, would the environment in Ghana have received my seed? Would the regulatory system here, the policies we have, allow that idea to grow. So, the seed that falls by the wayside represents ideas that get stolen. Have a great idea, but very quickly it's stolen. The seeds that fall by among thorns are businesses that face unfair competition. And so get choked. So here is somebody with a great idea, but the competition, the thorns, just choke it. The seed that fell on hard ground represent businesses that do not have the capacity to expand. The economy is constricted. And the seed that fell on good ground represent businesses that find the space to grow. So, in this metaphor, we get the impression that the real determinant for the productivity of the seed is not just the business entrepreneur, not the sower, 
it's not even the idea. You can have the most brilliant idea. But it's whether you can find the right environment to grow your seed in. I would assume that in this country, we have people who have had ideas similar to some of the global ideas we celebrate. I think there were people who at a point thought of doing something like Facebook. Because Facebook, let's face it, is simply a glorified pen pal program. But if a simple seed falls on a good ground, that simple looking idea can become a mighty, mighty tree. So, how do we ensure that the soil, the environment, sustains ideas? How do we ensure that we, we have a country that sustains and builds ideas? What are the important systems that must be in place if Ghana is going to compete? And although we're talking about an African corporate leader, I don't want to presume to speak for the whole of Africa. I would just focus by Africa to Ghana. So, let me just deal with the four conditions that affected the seed. The first, how do we ensure that business ideas do not get stolen? Because the central point for every growing industry, economy, is ideas. If a, if a country cannot nurture ideas, it cannot grow businesses. So, how do we ensure that people's ideas are protected, they don't fall by the wayside, and people don't steal intellectual property? We do that by recognizing, patenting, and protecting intellectual property. Until we get to the point where we value ideas so that people who have ideas can protect the ideas, we're going to bastardize each other's ideas. And not only that, other big corporations can steal a poor man's ideas. So if somebody goes to a village somewhere and sees a young man with an, an idea, they can just steal his idea, put capital behind it, and the poor man doesn't get any benefit. So, if we're going to really grow major businesses, the first point is that we must protect intellectual property and ideas. If we don't have the regime for doing that and the regulatory system and we don't enforce that, we are killing the seeds of this country. And we are exposing our seeds to global conglomerates who can swoop in, give us almost nothing and steal brilliant ideas from here. We have seen that happen already in so many areas where we haven't protected the ideas of this country. A universal Ghanaian product like Kinte uh, is being bastardized all over the world and we're getting nothing for it because we haven't been able to protect our own national heritage. Uh, our sculpture, our music, our arts are all being stolen brazenly 
without anybody paying anything for it. And the people who dreamt those ideas not benefiting from it. You cannot build a nation or an economy that way. In every country which has progressed from just subsistent living to an industrial life, there has been the protection of ideas so that seeds do not fall by the wayside. So, how do we ensure that businesses do not get choked by the thorns? We have to recognize, we have to protect, and we have to nurture infant industries. We cannot expose our infant industries to massive competition from other space places where those industries are far better developed, prices are far cheaper. They will kill us out of business. There is no economy that has grown without protecting infant industries. This is basic economics. Anybody who cares to study would find out that if you're going to really protect, grow your industry, you have to protect infant industries. In the parable of the sower, it said that some of the infant plants started coming up, but they were choked by thorns. How do we ensure that businesses do not stagnate and that when a business starts, it can grow and have roots and become big? We have to build the institutional and infrastructural support. You have to deepen our institutional capacity. We have to expand infrastructural support. A person can generate something, can start a business, but if the infrastructural base is weak and the institutional support is weak, it cannot grow. And how do we ensure that a great business in idea, uh, idea in Ghana can flourish and compete with the rest of the world? There are several things we can do. I think that not all businesses will ideas will have competitive advantage. Not all ideas. It's, you can have great ideas, but those ideas may not have competitive ideas uh, advantage. In Ghana, for the last hundred years or so, our core industries in Ghana have been gold, cocoa, timber. Of late, we are talking about oil, which is not really doing much. Uh, but gold, cocoa, timber. So, let's say that these are the strengths of Ghana. Gold, cocoa, timber. We could add a few more, but let's just focus on gold, cocoa, timber. So, if I have an idea to build or to produce chocolates from Ghana for the world, will I be able to produce chocolates in Ghana based on the core industry of Ghana, which is cocoa? Will I be able to produce chocolates in Ghana to compete with chocolates coming from Belgium or Switzerland? And by the way, have you heard of any Ghanaian who has a chocolate factory apart from the one the state owns? 
So what does that imply? It means that even in our own area of strength, we have imprisoned ourselves. We don't have the necessary forward and backward linkages in that industry. So we say that cocoa is the blood of Ghana, but there is no industry around cocoa. So if I had a great idea, which is cocoa related, the policy framework, the regulatory framework in Ghana does not empower me in my own country, which for a long time was the world's leading producer of cocoa. I have no capacity to translate an idea that is cocoa related to become a global business. That's something to think about. So why is that so? It is not so by chance. It is so because the people who colonized us for a very long time made sure that they put in place a framework that limited access to these resources. So we became exporters of raw material. Unfortunately, we have been independent for how many years now? I'm still calculating. And yet we have not been able to expand that framework. So as yet, none of you here who has a great idea to produce anything cocoa-related can generate that idea in your own country. If I had an idea, or you had an idea, to produce world-class jewelry out of the gold of Ghana, would you have the necessary framework for you to use Ghana's gold to produce jewelry. So far as I know, there are a few people trying to do that, but there is nothing that big. We still go to Dubai to buy the best gold. So how come that when I have an idea that is related to a core product of Ghana, like, cocoa, like gold, I don't have the soil, the space to grow my idea? And if a person in Ghana had an idea to use Ghana's timber to build furniture to compete with IKEA, would the Ghanaian business succeed? I don't think so. So, we come back to the problem with a parable. It's not the business leader, the sower. It's not the idea, the seed. Is the soil. It's the soil. Ghana may not be able to compete in every industry. We may not be able to compete with the rest of the world in information technology. We may not be able to compete in uh, other areas. But I think in three core areas, we should not just compete, we should lead. The leading chocolate industry in the world should be between Ghana and Ivory Coast because the two neighbors produce quite a substantial amount of the cocoa in the world. And yet between Ghana and Ivory Coast nobody has any I don't know what about you I haven't eaten an Ivorian chocolate and our golden tree is a nice idea but it's so limited doesn't even have diversity. It almost tastes all the same. And I'm not really against the company. I'm just saying that 
Why should there be only one chocolate factory in Ghana? Why don't we have cottage chocolate factories? Why don't we have it in villages? Why don't you go to Isawam and instead of people selling bread along the roadside, it's women from their backyard who are selling chocolate along the roadside. Almost without exception, if you study the growth of nations all over the world, no country has developed its industrial base without prior infant industry protection. Almost without exception. You're going to have to focus somewhere and you're going to protect something. In Ghana, we have cocoa, we have gold. We have timber. If we do nothing at all but build on these three industries and build leading organizations, the world's leading chocolate factory or cocoa industries in Ghana and the world's leading jewelry, gold jewelry is in Ghana and the world's leading uh, furniture maker is in Ghana. Can you imagine if we anchor our whole economy around these three? The growth that will be generated you can forget about oil because we are not world leading. We are way down, down, down somewhere. Saudi Arabia is going to lead now. Uh, you know, America is finding new technology to produce uh, natural gas uh, from rocks. Uh, the whole regime is changing. But there are areas where we are already strong and have very little competition in the world. For that to happen... A few things must happen. Protection alone does not grow industries. We know that. We can, in Ghana, we've protected some industries and uh, they haven't grown. Uh, we've protected retail industries. And I haven't seen anybody move from retail to become uh, a, a mall or a, a big you know, supplier. So... Protection by itself will not solve the problem, but it is a beginning. There have to be other things that will come in to help us lower our cost of production so we can compete. And if we can lower prices domestically for domestic consumers, we can compete with the rest of the world. But in addition to all of that, those who manage the soil, so now we come to where we should be focusing. Who takes care of the soil? Well, in a sense, the sower uh, must be looking at the soil as well. But what if the sower is just a tenant and there is already a landowner? There are other people who, who, who own the land. He is just using it. There are three important groups that make sure that the soil... The framework is right. The first, whether you like it or not, are the politicians. Politicians formulate policy. Politics is not just about winning elections. It's about formulating policy. So, in the competition for politics, it should be about policy. Who has the policy 
to help create this environment that will allow you and I with a business idea to grow our ideas here to become global businesses. Politicians. Second group are the public servants. And by that I mean the non-political public servants. They implement policy. And then we the people, we use policy. So if we the people who use the policy are the ones who elect the people who formulate the policy, then we the people who are the end users of policy must ensure that the people we are electing are people who can create the policy that we the people can use. Because if politics is all about who wins and who loses and who is your party and who is not your party, and it's not about who has the policy and the framework to help you and I, the end users of policy, to build a better life for ourselves, then our whole politics is just to empower a group to be successful at our expense. So, for the framework, the regulatory framework to be put in place, the people must be responsible and must examine the policy of the politicians and must ensure that there is a corrupt, free public service that properly implements the policies. Because if you have a nation without proper regulatory systems, that nation becomes like a riderless horse. A riderless horse is a horse which has momentum but no direction. It is moving but it's going nowhere. A riderless horse has energy, enthusiasm, but nobody is directing it. And definitely, there's a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of work going on. You come to Ghana and you find people are working by the roadside. I, I, I look at all those young men and women on, our, uh, on the roads doing everything possible. They stand in the hot sun from morning to evening. They are working. Cleaning car windows, selling boiled granites, tiger nuts. The question you ask yourself is, they are working, but where is it going? What is the direction? They are not lazy people, but most of them should be off the street. And how are they going to get off the street? Somebody should build a big industry that can absorb them and give them proper channel for their energies and training and retraining and retooling so they can upgrade themselves. Because if, if we get them stuck just doing the kind of work they're doing, we know that most of them can get locked just by roadside industry. And by the way, the roadside industry is quite a thriving one. 
in, in the years that I have been observing, I have seen three generations of roadside industry. There's a particular gentleman uh, I know. I know when he was born by the roadside. Mother was begging. And he was born and he started begging with the mother. He's now grown and he's now has, he has a child begging. A whole industry. Developing by the roadside. They are not out by the roadside because that's what they want. But it's because the soil, the environment is not nurturing ideas that will help them to rise. So what is holding back the African corporate leader? I've related most of them, but I think by far it is poverty of policy. Poverty of policy. It is politics without policy direction. It is people who don't hold politicians accountable for formulation of policy and a public service that is unable to implement any policy. Even when we have the regulatory framework, you, 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 you can survive. I, I remember when um, the Kaneshi market was built. And uh, it was supposed to be the first experiment of moving people from our old market system to a more structured market system where it's almost like a market mall sort of. And the builders were very enthusiastic because they had seen it happen in other countries that market women will move to this building and people will go in to shop. And the idea was if it succeeded in Kaneshi, then we'll have all these big markets all over Accra and Ghana. What happened? We built it, but we couldn't ensure and force the regulation that people should go and sell in there. So people took stalls in the Kaneshi market, but other people decided to sell by the roadside. And we, the passengers, and we, the people, not wanting to drive and walk into the market, bought by the roadside, undermining the whole idea. And so we have the building, but the people spilled over to the streets. So it's not for a lack of idea or policy, but for a lack of implementing the regulatory regime. So what does that do for the person who has an idea to grow his business in that supermarket or mall? He's being choked by the wayside business person. That's just one example. But it's choking all kinds of businesses who are unable to compete. We seem to allow mercenary businesses to undercut and murder genuine businesses. My word to those who are the sowers the business leaders. And somebody would say, well, what right do you have to talk to business people? You're just a preacher. I think by now you know that I do a little bit more than preaching. 
But um, I started a church in a classroom. I've grown it into a church with expressions all over the world. That takes some thinking to do it. I've built a charitable organization that is probably the largest non-governmental scholarship program running in this country. We have a university. So I think I have something to say. Don't you think so? (laughs) About how to take an idea and make it grow. And in spite of all the limitations in the regulatory space, still find ways of growing ideas. If the system was better, we would probably have produced a hundredfold. Uh, but in a parable, Jesus said that even in productivity, some of it was just thirtyfold. I think I'm just doing less than thirtyfold. And if the framework was better, probably I would do a hundred or more than a hundred. So what should those of you who are business people, who are the sowers, who have the ideas, what should you do? You have to take ownership of the process of determining the policies that guide your industry. It is too serious a business to just leave it to partisan political bickery. Business people must engage the process and must not engage it from their partisan point of view. Once you decide, this is my party, right or wrong, it's my party, you are undermining yourself, you are undercutting yourself. It is about whether the policy would nurture your business. We have to work at getting a public service that is efficient, and we the people must constantly review the policies that come out and see how well they facilitate us. For the business leader in Ghana to mount up beyond all these limitations, a few things would have to change in our mindset. Ghana is great. We have great corporate managers, but very few corporate leaders. Most people who we celebrate as corporate leaders are people who have not started anything from the scratch and grown it to the high levels. Most of them are working for already established companies. And that is great by itself. There's nothing wrong with that. But somebody who has never started a business cannot help somebody who is starting along the path with real insight. So, if you are a business, young business leader, part of your challenge is that you may not find any role models. You may not. Because we don't have too many of them. There are just a few. And most of them are just first generation. So we can't even tell how successful the idea is because it hasn't transitioned to third and fourth generation for us to say, oh, that's a great idea that survives the test of time. But most of them are first generation. But there are just a few. You're going to have to motivate yourself. You're going to have to drive yourself. You have to encourage yourself. You have to do it by yourself. 
you have to think. And a couple of things I would just encourage you to do. Uh, first is that you have to learn to think big. Think big. Somebody says, how do you think big? It means think big. Just, just look at the idea you have as your business plan and improve it. And when you improve it, improve it again. And when you improve that, improve it again. Keep expanding the possibility. Thinking big will not cost you much. It just costs you thinking. But it's always great to stretch the boundaries of limitation you place on yourself. You're going to have to do that. You have to learn to play big. Play big means that you have to learn to scale up your activities. To play big, there are a couple of things you have to do. You have to be eager to attract top talent. Top talent. If you're going to play in the big leagues, you can't do that with mediocre players. And no matter how great your idea is, if your talent pool is, is mediocre, your performance will be mediocre. The reason why football players will be paid 22 million pounds and 40 million pounds, which makes some of us wonder what's wrong with the team managers, is because people understand that talent is very expensive. Talent is not cheap. And most of the time, people who come to you and tell you, you, you just pay me anyway, anyhow, it doesn't matter. As for me, I will, I, will, I will work with all my heart. There may not be much in his heart. He will work with all his heart, but there is nothing in his heart. Talent is very expensive. For most of the ideas I've developed, I've had to bring in top talent and continue to explore top talent. And you have to be comfortable in your skin if you're going to work with top talent. If you feel insecure, you'll always work with people who will yes, I, yes, I, you, who have nothing to offer beyond your own ideas. Um, it's suicidal for you to sit with your management team and all they say is, oh, as you said, oh, your idea was great. As you said, your idea was great. They're killing you. They're killing you. You need people who will come to you with better ideas. Play big. Get top talent. Expand your worldview. Expand your worldview. The world is bigger than what you are familiar with. You know, most of us Africans, we're not too far removed from the village. We're not too far removed. I mean, if you take most people just two generations backwards and we are back in the village. Swimming naked in the village river. When you go two generations back, your father, your grandfather, back into subsistent living. We haven't been industrialized for a very long time. So the village mentality is very close to our mindset. Village mentality is when you shrink everything to the lowest level possible that makes you comfortable to relate. But if you're going to play it big, you have to 
have a big world view. The world is bigger than your village. The world is bigger than my village, your village, your father's village, your grandfather's village. The world is bigger than your city. The world is bigger than your country. The world is bigger than ECOWAS. The world is bigger than Africa. And there are people who are competing with you. And some of them have long advantage over you. So expand your worldview. And you do that in so many ways by exposure to other cultures, by listening to lectures, by uh, attending conferences, by traveling. All of these help you to expand your worldview. And finally, you have to have courage and boldness. Courage and boldness. Um, some ideas you have will frighten you. You want to do it, but you'll be scared. And it's good to be scared. Anyone who doesn't get scared is probably not facing reality. But if you face reality, your own ideas will scare you. They will, they will frighten you. And the opposition will frighten you. Sometimes you may be coming against a whole system that has been constructed for decades. And you want to push it back. So you have to be courageous. If anybody wants to change the system that limits us from accessing our own raw materials, cocoa, timber, gold, it's huge. You're going to come against a lot of opposition because our whole national economy is based on selling these raw materials. But it has to change. So I would encourage you, be bold. And if you can't be bold all by yourself, team up with other people and begin to caucus around other business people and begin to advocate and begin to put pressure and begin to speak up and begin to push and push and push and push and push. Sometimes it may not change in your lifetime, but you keep pushing until there is space so the next generation will find it easier than it was for you. But we have to keep pushing. Because if we don't, we will be saddled with our seats in our hands. Brilliant ideas but in an environment that does not nurture brilliant ideas. And we may die with our seeds ungerminated, not fruiting, not beneficial. I hope that I've been able to provoke some thoughts in your mind, and I hope that uh, you will continue thinking along these lines as we seek to expand the possibilities for an African, a Ghanaian, with an idea uh, to be able to grow the idea to the global stage. Thank you. God bless you. Welcome back. That was Dr. Mensotable sharing his thoughts about unleashing the new African corporate leader as we build up to the Festival of Ideas on the 16th, Thursday, the 16th of August 2018 
at the Marriott Hotel Airport City in Accra. If you haven't as yet signed up to the festival, the number to call or WhatsApp or text 024-99-99555. Find out details about how you can be part of the Festival of Ideas. But his thoughts are very simple. Leaders at all levels should think globally, be innovative, and turn simple ideas into global businesses, regardless of their areas of endeavor and regardless of their limitations. And so that's the deal on Springboard. Next week we begin a three-part series on Springboard at 10. My name is Albert Okran, and on behalf of Albert Comfort, Matthew, Priscilla, Amos, and Emmanuel, I want to say God bless you. God bless you and see you at Greater Works tomorrow. God bless you. Good night. Turn